Hey, chaps. Happy Monday. Glorious summer day is what it feels like. Well, the summer is going to make us sweat. Hope you guys had a good weekend. I had a phenomenal weekend. Uh, the boys played some rugby for the first time in a long time. Uh, you know, especially contact sports, uh, blood sports. You know, blood sports are, for the longest time, I, I've never enjoyed uh, martial sports, you know, boxing, wrestling, uh, MMA, all that kind of stuff. It's it's uh, it's like, oh, man, that's brutal or whatever. And, and here I've been playing rugby my whole life. And um, I think it comes from a, you know, a lot of guys have this thing of if you have mastery in something, then you, then you, you enjoy it and you go full on into it and you're happy with it, even though it seems to the outside very dangerous or very uh, hard. Uh, and likewise, when you have mastery in something and you look at something else, you know, so for instance, for me, like rugby has always been a wonderful, a wonderful sport to me because I was taught in its ways very young. And I gained mastery in it and I was very good at it. And so you enjoy it, even though it has danger or, or risks attached to it. And so when you look across at martial arts, my feminized, my effeminate mindset comes out of like, I would never be very good at that. You know, seeing some guy just clatter someone else and being like, yeah, I'd probably not be very good at it. So I'm just going to, not even going to get into it, not even going to enjoy it or anything like that. Um, but, but I've come to respect all forms of blood sport um, for the reason being that they provide an amazing all male space. That is, it's the last, it's the last, the last of the Mohicans. It's the last of the all male spaces. You know, the army is no longer an all male space. Boy Scouts, no longer an all male space. Uh, a lot of schools are no longer an all male space, you know? And so the last, the last remaining outposts of all male space are, are, are certain blood sports. And why does it have to be a blood sport? You know, there's, there's a camaraderie that's formed by young men spilling blood together, by doing dangerous things together. You know, that's why as young boys, you want to go and uh, destroy post boxes or put firecrackers or, uh, uh, you know, you want to do dangerous things. You'll steal something and, and the thrill of getting away with it, you know, and that creates incredible forms of, of camaraderie uh, among the young boys who are doing danger together uh, and who rely on each other to, to mitigate the danger, you know, so you don't want your, your friends to tell on you or you need your friends to help you do the thing, you know, and when it comes to, to a team blood sport, um, you want to be one of the contributors to a strong team who are, are steamrolling the opposition. So it was a great weekend for me. Good to be back in that environment. Glad the boys are having their, their time out uh, back on the field and uh, not having their, their best years of, of young, uh, young, their best uh, times of their young years. Cause I, I believe we have our best times as always ahead of us. You know, we, we, there is no, ah, uh, yes, man, the bloody golden years back in high school or back in university. Remember the good old days. And it's like, no, no, no. The good old days are, are, are always ahead of us. Uh, but there's certain things that are timiest that we need to fully engage in. And, and so I feel for these young guys who've had uh, blood sport taken away from them had socializing taken away from them. They've had confidence uh, in their, in civilization around them, just eroded. But alas, that is not what I was wanting to speak about. So today, I've uh, been having a lot of good chats with my wife uh, this whole weekend about setting boundaries with, uh, with people we love, setting boundaries with uh, 
friendships, setting boundaries with church, setting boundaries with family. Uh, for the reason, uh, even in marriage, setting boundaries in marriage. Um, it was all kicked off by watching, um, I was watching uh, Owen Benjamin's stream and he was he was having a, a good laugh at Cesar Milan, Cesar Milan's parody in South Park. So, so Cesar Milan was that, is that Mexican guy who uh, um, is a phenomenal dog trainer. You know, you'll have this dog like, like just like eating everything, <laughs> like a little girl. They're like, oh, please help our dog. And he'll come in and sort this dog out in like two days, you know, and it's now a nice little dog. And it was the most amazing study in, in king energy, in identity, because he always says it's not the dog's problem. It's the owner. The owner is the, the dog is a fruit. The dog is an environment of who the owner is. And so he says often like the two issues are insecurity or anger or uh, what is the other one? Insecurity, fear, anger, you know, all of that kind of thing. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is the same with children. You know, when you see parents and children and like a lot of our issues in our life are from being parented by insecure parents or being parented by angry parents or being parented by, you know, whatever the issues our parents went through, we are now carrying uh, the fruits um, of their uh, their parental impression on our lives that we're now you know all trying to figure out and get out of our own uh, you know I feel like my 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 20s has been me fathering myself out of uh, character flaws that were never uh, were never corrected or out of uh, thought patterns uh, that were put on me um, you know either by school or by parents or by friends or by acquaintances context all of that kind of stuff you know, and so you get to this this place of being 30 years old and you're like, I feel like I've hit the, I've, I've just scratched the surface of, of fathering myself. And so looking at Cesar Milan's thing, it's like, oh my gosh, it's not just with dogs, it's with children. And then, oh my gosh, it's not just with children, it's with your wife, right? So a wife is the reflection of the man who is her authority, who is her husband, you know? And so if you have this like crazy insecure, um, angry, wild woman. It's like, oh my gosh, either your, your father, you're a fruit of your father or you're a fruit of your husband. And so this really got, it got intense when, when we started like really digging into this, this thing of boundary setting of like limitation, uh, boundary setting saying no, or saying, uh, not, not this or not that, or, or, you know, but putting limits, um, on our own life is it's discipline, right? So in order to be, in order to be a great rugby player, um, I had to choose how much discipline I wanted to trade uh, to be how great of a rugby player. You know, so was I willing to go to the gym every day? Was I willing to eat differently? Was I willing to go and do skills when no one was looking? Was I willing? Was I willing to put limitations on my on my lusts, my desires? Because all I wanted to do was play computer games, play computer games, eat donuts, drink coffee. That's all I wanted to do. But I was like, in my deep heart, in my identity, I knew that I loved this game. I wanted to be great at it. I wanted honor in a hierarchy. I wanted to be a man who other men said, yo, that guy's a great player. Or, or man, we love having you on our team. Or, you know, I wanted to be that guy. So, so I, had to, I had to take the discipline and discipline the laziness and the lusts and the frivolous desires into who I wanted to be. And that meant saying no uh, to, to my own. It meant saying no to myself. Uh, for, a, for a heck yes 
this is what I want to achieve, even though it's hard, you know, and that brings meaning. It brings belonging to our, uh, it brings um, significance to our life when we're like, wow, I've done a hard thing. You know, no one likes going to the, I mean, a lot of guys do like going to the gym. It becomes a habit, but it's like, you always feel better leaving the gym, like a bit exhausted, a bit like, but boom, the endorphins are rushing and you're like, it feels great. Like I feel great. You know, and you're like, I, I don't want to leave this place. But it wasn't that way when you got there or when you were making the decision of like, I can lay around or I can go to the gym, you know, and um, and that's a self boundary. You know, that's a self victimhood uh, that we have to we have to overrun. Right. Because and here's why it's victimhood. Because if I want to make the team. I have to be better uh, than the other guys who are on the roster. And so victimhood, Scott says, well, I can just lay around, but we're all equal because, because I don't have to put in the work. And then when the coach doesn't choose me, it's like, he hates me. It's because I don't get along with the coach. It's like, no, it's because you're crap and you don't work hard enough. Rob, a common mistake men make is not understanding that no is a positive answer. That's so good, bro. A common mistake men make is not understanding that no is a positive answer to avoid confrontation. Many men avoid saying no and allow others to make decisions by default. Exactly. And it's a frame thing, right? Because, and here's why. It's because as young men, our no was never respected, right? So many times I've seen little kids, you know, you're around people with kids and, and they're like, you know, the two little boys are fighting over a truck or are fighting over a gun. And they're like, oh, you've got to share, Johnny. Share, share, Johnny. Give him a turn. And it's like, no, that's Johnny's car. He doesn't have to share. He's he's learning. He's exercising property rights. He's exercising kingship. He's exercising boundary setting. And it's the other little kid. It's little Bobby who has to respect Johnny's no. You know, so instead of saying, oh, share, what a good job for sharing. Well done for sharing. It's like, no, no, no. Like, Bobby, that's Johnny's car. He, if he doesn't give it to you to play with, it's not yours to play with. And and respect his no. You know, so so we grow up especially as, as good Christian boys, you've got to be nice to everyone. You've got to turn the other cheek when someone's a douche to you. You've got to uh, allow them to abuse you. And it's like, no, 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 that's not Jesus at all. He was very firm with his no, with his boundaries. You know, people are like, oh, Jesus, you've got to come now. You've got to come now. And it's like, no, I'm doing this. You know, and a lot of people are like, Jesus was just such a nice guy. You know, he would never confront anyone. He would never say no to anyone. It's like, he goes to a well where a lady is sleeping with five different men and, and he's like, he's like, you're sleeping with five different men. Like that's straight up confrontation, you know, and this guy you're living with now is not your husband. And it's like a nice guy would never say that. A nice guy would be like, God loves you. God loves you as you are. You don't have to change. God just, he loves you. And it's like, no, no, no. I see you, me being God, God sees you. you what you're doing now is not right. And, and so I'm, I'm saying no to your lifestyle. So we're talking about our no being punished, right? So two young kids are fighting, fighting over a toy. And so their no doesn't get respected. So we grow up to be these Christian nice guys. And as soon as you set a boundary with someone, they're like, oh, that's not nice. That's not nice. You're not sharing. You're not being like Jesus. You're not laying yourself down to be a little slave. Um, when in fact, you know, we're, we're called to be kings. And so just wanted to get to this whole thing with David and his mighty men. The first victimhood that we need to destroy is our own.
You know, the first parasitism is our own mindset, our own victim identity. So 400 guys gather around David in the desert. David's been kicked out. He's not a victim. He's like, I'm anointed to be king. And so I'm not going to touch God's anointed. I'm out in the desert until God brings me in. And so 400 rejects, you know, they were indebted. They were on the run on uh, on the run from the law. Um, just guys who were down and out or, or out with the current hierarchy gather around him, right? 400 victims, essentially. And this is how most churches operate. They gather to themselves 400 victims. Like, God loves you guys. You know, the classic Statue of Liberty poem. God loves the oppressed. Like, come to me, all you huddled and weary masses. Come and be victims in my church. And, and it sucks because, you know, the message will be like, your brokenness is welcome here. And, uh, you know, and that's great. Like, it's great that you can get saved out of your victimhood. You can get, you know, Jesus loves you. Yeah. You know, and, and your mess and all of that. Staying a victim, champ. You're not staying a wretch and an orphan. You're a son now. You're a king now. Your identity changes, right? So David says to us 400 dudes, he's like, I am, I am your captain now. I am taking over the ship. I am your captain now. There will be no victimhood. There will be no moping. There will be no complaining. There will be no woe is me. We are now warriors. We are kings. We are going into the palace. At some point, God is going to take us in and we have to learn how to be kings and learn how to administrate from kingship, not from servanthood, right? There's a, a proverb that says your uh, luxury is not fitting for a fool. Likewise, a servant who rules over princes. So he's saying luxury, fools love luxury. Fools love to enjoy luxury, but they can't create it and they can't sustain it. Servants love to rule over princes, but they can't create principality. They can't create a kingdom and maintain it. All right. And so for us, like, you know, so often a, a healthy, a healthy church is when a pastor gets up and he's like, no, I'm going to set limits. I'm going to set boundaries. And then there's confidence because you, you know what is accepted and what's not accepted. So now you can act confidently. Some of the most insecure I've ever been as a Christian is being in churches where all the young guys, they want to be so loved by the hierarchy. They want to gain status in the hierarchy, which is a good natural thing. We want to gain honor with God and man, gain stature with God and man. But we don't know how because the, the fathers, the, the patriarchs, the, the pastors aren't setting a boundary, a clear boundary of like, okay, young men, here's how you gain status in our hierarchy. You get married, you have kids, you get out of debt, you start your own business or, or work your trade or your job or whatever, and, and you become wealthy because God has blessed you. Uh, we are, we have some in-group preference. We, we, we work amongst ourselves when it comes to the economy and all this stuff. It's like, all right, there's some, oh, and we be healthy. We don't, we're not fat in this church because being fat is you're killing yourself. You're dishonoring your, your spouse. You're dishonoring your children because you're going to die early. Uh, you, you have no control of your lusts. Uh, you're an untrustworthy person. Um, you know, so you have all these things. It's like, okay, there's boundaries. And now that there's boundaries, I feel confident because now I'm like, yes, I can do the things. And it comes down to, to, to the, the fathers, the, the patriarchs, the pastors being confident because someone will be like, it's, uh, you're fat shaming. You know, God would love everybody. Jesus is like, yeah, Jesus loves fat people, but he doesn't want them to be fat. 
right? That's, that is them destroying the, the image of God, destroying their bodies. And so we want to live in God's ways and not be a glutton, not have lust and be controlled by our stomach. Uh, and then if you really want to take this to a communal level, you know, if we believe as a church that we're to bear each other's burdens as far as like uh, pray for, for each other when we're sick and, and help each other when we're sick and, you know, maybe guys can't pay medical bills, so we're going to help out. We sure as hell don't want 300 overweight people in their wheelchairs um, cruising around our church, beeping people to get out of the way because it's like, I'm not paying for you. I'm not paying for your lifestyle. I'm not watching you eat Reese cups and drink Pepsi and, you know, go get 20 Big Macs uh, and then complain about your diabetes. Like, sorry, buddy. Like, I love you. God loves you. Uh, but you can be, you can, you know, you're going to die soon. And, and we believe that God wants us to have a, a long, energetic, high energy life. And so you need to change your lifestyle. You need to, we, you need to set limits on your desires, on your, your, your laziness, your lusts, your, your whatever. So Proverbs 20 verse two, let me read that to us. It's a really great proverb because I feel like this is not allowed, not allowed in liberalism, not allowed in the church. Uh, 20 verse two, the wrath of a king is like the roaring of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. Jesus is the king of kings. We are the kings that he is king of, right? It says here, the wrath of a king, the righteous anger of a king, right? When we get angry, it's because one of our boundaries has been tested, right? The, the wrath of a king is the roaring of a lion. Why does a lion, Ryan, why does a lion law? Oh, you are a lion. Why does a lion roar? It's to set boundary. It's to say, I'm the big dog here. If you can hear this, it's, this is my place, boy. Like I'm going to roar to set a boundary and, and anger for us, right? A lot of guys are like, you know, Scott, it's not good to be angry, brother. You've got to just forgive. You've just got to, you know, you've got to not be an angry guy. And it's like, that's fine. I agree. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't, you know, if you have a, a life where every day you're angry, stuff's out of place in your life. And anger is fuel. Anger is fuel. It's a pin in your ass to get you to change something, right? If your marriage sucks, if your children are disobedient, if your job sucks, if your body and you have health issues and it sucks, if your county sucks, your town sucks, and you find yourself getting, if you're sitting in traffic, getting angry, it's like, hello, ding, 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 wrath of a king. You need to make a change. You need to make a change. Either enforce a boundary that is not being respected you know, so for instance, if someone is, is daily um, coming and disrespecting you and abusing you and being a parasite or whatever, cut them out. Be like, hey, no, I do not accept this. I'm a king of my own body. I'm a king of my own household. I'm a king of my finances, king over my time. And I will not accept uh, this abuse of, you know, whatever is being abused or whatever is being violated, right? That is what anger is there for. Anger is a, it's a change something, right? And now we have to understand domain. We have to understand dominion, right? It's not, it's not, I'm so angry uh, at Antifa. And now I'm going to take this into my hands and go to the capital and blow up Antifa, right? That is out of your dominion. It's out of your domain, right? You have no authority to go and be angry. And that's why chaps cut out the news, cut out the crap 
Cut out the victims in your life. Cut out the people who are making you angry about things you cannot control. Right? My dominion is my marriage, my house, uh, my finances, my time, right? My property, my choices, my decisions. Any of that stuff, like there's a lot of stuff where I'm like, yeah, I'm actually pretty energized by all the things that I say yes to, right? And that's the next thing here. A lot of us, we just say yes to everything. You know, we're like, oh, busyness is how you seem valuable. So, hey, will you do this project? Yes. Hey, will you do this activity? Yes. Hey, yes, 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 yes. Hey, will you call me? Yes. Hey, will you FaceTime? Yes. Hey, will you go pick this up? Yes, 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 yes. And we just say yes to everything. And it's like, it's inflation, right? It's just printing yeses so that your yes actually means nothing, right? Matthew 5 says, let your yes be yes. I say, let your yes be heck yes. And your no be no, right? And it's the same thing with no's. Our no's have been so punished that we don't want to touch that word anymore. And I like what, I think it was you, Rob, who said that. I was like, no is a positive, affirmative response to something. You know, like, hey, Scott, can you do this? No. And it's like, oh. and it's like, okay, anyone who has that reaction is because you've been punished before and your no has never been respected or allowed or honored, right? And so we have to get into the habit of being like, I respect my no. God respects my no. All the people who I say yes to love when I say no to other people, you know? So if every other woman on the planet is like, oh, Scott, can you pay for this? Can you pay for that? Can you pay for this? You know who's getting resentful? My wife. Because it's it's like, oh, you can, yes, 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 yes. And my yes to her is weak. But if I say, no, 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 then she's like pumped because my yes to hers is strong. It's valuable. So one of the, 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 the struggles we deal with is a punished no, right? So we have a punishment of our no in our past and we have to get over that. And so we have to realize, is God punishing me? Because that's, Here's where the parasites and the victims come in, right? A parasite is a leech, a flea, a tick, um, something that sucks life force without giving, without reciprocity, right? There's no equal exchange, right? So my wife and I, we have a marriage where, you know, I provide the masculinity, she provides the femininity. There's an exchange, you know, it's very simplified. There's an exchange. But if I was just, bang, bang, banging on the side, getting all my sexual masculine needs met, but I wasn't providing and I wasn't protecting and I wasn't loving. It's a one-sided, I'm the parasite. I'm getting, 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 and she's just giving, giving, giving. And so if she tries to put up a boundary and say, no, I'm not doing this unless you marry me, then I can say like, oh, but you're just a bad person. And I thought you were a Christian and oh me, you know, so this is the first uh, tactic that parasites use, you know, they, they cry out as they stab you like, oh, he's hurting me. The parasite has to appear as a victim and appeal um, to guilt, appeal to obligation and duty. And it's like, well, you've just, you've broken my heart or like, you're such a good person. And so these girls get abused because they can't say no to the abuser, right? Same with the guys, right? So guys, you know, we get abused. When, when it's like, oh, the woman is upset and she gets all upset and it's like, oh no, the upset woman, like appease, appease the upset woman. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, what can I do? You know, it's like, dude, you're being abused. This woman is take, take, taking. 
and you're not putting up a boundary and setting limitations. You know, and so this happens in all facets of life, marriage, children, family, friendships, work, church. You get people who, who latch onto you because you're valuable. You are valuable, right? The, the, the leech finds value in you because you have blood, life force to suck, right? So each of us as men, the Bible says a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. It doesn't bring him before victims, right? If your gift is constantly bringing you to victims, you've got a problem. You, you can't say no, you know, and then we feel like, oh man, I'm just surrounded by victims and you start becoming the average of the people who are around you and victim mindset and all this stuff. You know, so David, when the 400 victims come around him, he doesn't sink down to their level and become a victim. Like, oh guys, Saul is such a bastard. For tonight's campfire song, we're going to sing. We're just all so screwed. Saul's a bastard. We hate Saul. We're screwed. We're out here in the desert. And victim, 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 complain, complain, complain. That didn't happen. David comes in and he's like, you bunch of immaculate bastards, like General Patton style, you bunch of immaculate bastards. If I hear victimhood, if I hear anyone talking against God's anointed man, Saul, if I hear any complaining or grumbling, touch God's anointed. And so, so David transforms the camp. Why? Because the king, the king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, you know, and people don't want to disappoint the king because, and so here's the reciprocity. If people punish your no, you've got to start punishing their punish, <laughs> their victimhood, you know, and it's like, no, like I will, I will reciprocate what, you know, if, if this relationship is fun, if I'm getting stuff out of it, awesome. Like I'll give you honor. I want to be around great men. And it's like, we want to be around great men who are reciprocating, you know, man, it's good to have you on the team. Like, dude, without you, we wouldn't be doing this thing. Or, or it's like, you bring strength to this team. Yep. You bring strength to this team. Awesome. Brothers bond. That's the glory of team sports is like, no one wants to be the, the kid who is carried by the rest of the team. You know, there's so much shame involved in that. And it's like, we want to be pulling our own weight. And in fact, we want to be around other guys who are all gunning hard at the same mission. You know, we don't have to big deck each other. We don't have to compete against each other because we're in a team. And it's like, we all recognize value in each other, right? And so all these rejects recognize in David, God's anointed. He's our leader. He's the guy who's going to take us into the palace. David recognizes, I'm going to need an army. I'm going to need guys who will die for me. And so there's this exchange, right? Because you wouldn't get royalty hanging out with a drunk, hanging out with a dead slave, hanging out with a guy who stole something and is now on the run for the law. So he's like, okay, I get it. These are the guys who I have. However, in order for them to get my leadership, there's going to be some boundaries in place where you guys are going to have to give me um, reciprocity. You know, if I'm going to protect you and become your leader and give you a, a honor, a, a hierarchy to, to climb and to gain status in and to be protected in, then you're going to give me performance towards this culture that we're going to put in place. Rob, anger can be a righteous response to being wronged. Exactly. That's why it's, it's called righteous anger. And that's what we do. You know, we, we, as Christians, we're like, just, just get abused, just stay abused, just, just uh, manage the abuse, you know, and then, and then we don't know why the Christians are all fat while well, they're comfort eating. You don't want, know why the Christians are all on addictions and drugs. And it's like, cause they're comfort soothing because you can't say no to anyone. 
because you're afraid of being punished. Um, and you're afraid of the victim crying out in pain uh, and calling you a Nazi bastard who, who cut them out or whatever. So I wanted to get to this thing of, of what does it mean to eject a parasite? First of all, we have to get be okay with parasites always position themselves as victims. And so we've been so accustomed of like, okay, good Christian boys, take care of the victims, take care of the poor and the downtrodden. And so when a parasite latches on and is like, hey man, will you give me money for my drugs? Hey man, will you give me money for my drugs? This is just a, a very clear, obvious example, but it's much more insidious than this. And it's like, oh man, this druggie, like I need to help him. I need to love him. And it's like, no mate, there's the drug rehab center or like there's the helpline or whatever. Like I'll, I'll drop you off there. I'll be a good Samaritan and take you to the inn, but I'm not bringing you home. You're not coming home with me. And Christians are just like, like take the druggie off the street into your own home. And it's like, nope, boundaries. If he wants to come to my home, he has to prove himself clean. He has to prove himself, you know, whatever. And, and even then I'm not his dad. Um, and so, you know, I'm not, I'm not, um, he's not sharing in this safety, in this confidence, uh, in this city with walls, uh, with my children. It's, it's not going to happen. And so one of the, 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 the issues with ejecting victims is this, you know, it's what they do with, with immigrants, right? So all these immigrants are like, oh, these poor immigrants, they're on little boats, they're floating rickety in the ocean. Like, oh, look at them. They're going to die if we don't take them in. It's like, no, 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 put them on the boat, give them some food and water, take them back, like put them back with, you know, it's the whole thing. A lot of people don't know this about international law. The right of asylum or refugee is the next safe place, right? So if you're, if, if you're in uh, Syria, the next safe place is Turkey or Lebanon or Israel. You know, that's the next safe place. If you're in, if you're in uh, Honduras or Guatemala or something like that, the next safe place is not the United States, you know? And so boundary setting is saying like, I see you. I understand your victimhood. But if I, if you're going to come into my house, you're not a victim. You, there are some responsibilities that you're going to take on. And I, this is my house. I reserve the right to kick you out at any moment. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. That's, it's like, oh yeah, I'm a guest in your house. Even now, like for me in America, I'm a guest uh, in my host's house. I don't go around being like, oh, why do you do it that way? That's stupid. You know, like, oh, we don't do it that way back where I'm from. And it's like, no, like boundaries, honor. You're, you're not in a place of honor in the hierarchy uh, to to come in here and, and just demand and parasitize and be a parasite, you know? And it's like, Oh, I'm just a poor little African refugee. And it's like, you know, it's okay to say no. It's okay to have boundaries. It's okay to not be, it's okay to, you know, the, the, the good Samaritan, it's okay to not take victims back to your house. Rob parasites will trade in emotional guilt as a currency. Exactly. Honor very often involves the avoidance of behavior that would bring shame. Honor very often involves the avoidance of behavior that would bring shame. Yep. I.e. not breaking a promise or oath to avoid shame. Exactly. And shame, you know, and, that, and that's the next thing, right? We have an inverted hierarchy. Our liberal clown world culture places victimhood as the highest status, right? How do you gain victimhood in clown world? 
I'm black, gender, queer, wheelchair, Muslim, trans, disabled. It's like, okay, high status. You know, you, no one can question you. You are a God on earth. Um, and it's like, no, no, no. In a, in a traditional God built hierarchy, he who does more is worth more. He who is stronger, more masterful, braver has more honor, right? There's clear, there's clear ways to gaining honor. And it's by doing what the, the group um, considers honorable. Rob, inversion of values, hierarchy of the victimhood stack. Precisely. Exactly. And so here's where we see, and it's a very masculine, uh, it's a very masculine frame again. Confidence comes from having walls, right? If you live in a very beautiful city and you build walls around it to protect yourself, you lock the doors at night and you go to bed very safe, very sound, very secure. Everyone inside is like, this is wonderful. It's like a city broken down without walls. And so if a city has no walls, you go to bed at night, freaked the heck out. Did we lock our own doors? Do we have our gun ready? Do we like, do we have, we, you have to have sentries posted, right? This is this whole thing of not switching off. Like you can't switch off because it's like, well, what if someone comes in the night? What if someone attacks? It's like insecurity just starts building up around people without walls, right? And a wall is the ability to say no. And so this is our, this is our, our ethnic weakness, right? As white boys, in-group preference, limitation, saying no, um, ejecting the parasite is our weakness, right? We get so turned up and shamed and shameful and punished. We've been punished for so long. I'm like, how dare you say no? How dare you kick someone out? How dare? It's like property rights. This is my property. I kick whoever the heck I want out. Like that is the way of the world for 6,000 years. And it's like, God creates a garden with rules. Adam breaks the rules. Get the heck out. It's, it's simple, but that's the template. The template is, this is my garden. If you don't obey by my rules, get out. And that's God himself, right? God himself saying, I, and then, and then he provides a way back in, right? Repentance. So if you say to someone, no, and they disrespect your no, it's like harsher, no, heavier, no, more, no, like reciprocity, right? And even to the point of like, I'm cutting you off until you repent. You've got to come back and apologize and not only apologize, but show fruits of repentance that you have changed. And even then I reserve the right of being very guarded, very skeptical, very protective against what you have betrayed in the past or parasited against in the past. Andrew Quinn has brother Anglos are learning boundaries through this de degeneration of our values and culture, but this is needed for us to learn our boundaries even if not for us, then for our grandkids. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's the way I grew up with, with no boundaries. And it's taken me being abused, being taken for a ride, being shamed and, and punished and all this stuff. And it's like, you get to the place where, you know, you get to that place where you have nothing left to lose. You have nothing left to lose. And you're like, I would like to try boundaries now. I would like to try building a wall now. I would like to try saying no now. You know, and it, it's like, it's that, it's that whole thing of you don't know, you don't know, um, that's it. Women can vote, women can go into the workforce, women can be a preacher. And now we're discovering like, oh, we should not have taken that fence down. The cows are in the garden. Um, you know, and it's like, okay, 
And now it's very costly to put those fences back up because now the cows are unhappy. The fences cost twice as much. You have to redig all the holes. You have to fences. Um, and and so we're finding out for the for for our generation's first time, like crap, like maybe it took four, five, six, ten generations to put a, a bunch of fence up, and we're not going to be able to put all this fence back up in our generation. And it's like, okay, I need to set up my sons and my daughters to do the next part of the fence, and their sons, and and that's how tradition is built is built again and in-group preference is built again interesting how the ability to say no is now being stripped away as having privilege yeah you know and, and that's and that's where we get to this point of slavery what is a slave a slave is someone who cannot say no we have no sovereignty and you know that's why it's so important with with not fearing unto death right because that that's the last that that's the last exchange you know guys put a gun to your head and say recant jesus and you can say no it's like yeah willing willing to do it willing to do that but where how far are we willing to push that willingness you know so someone's saying like because it happened in africa right where people come and take your your land take your farm and it's like are you willing to to fight there are you willing to say no you know so uh, 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 a gang of of army veterans is what they call them um shows up at your farm and says, we want the farm. We're here to take the farm. You know, is is that the time to say no with your life? Or is it like, yeah, like we're, we're all waging this up, right? We're all waging, you know, if someone, if if the, the left-wing vax squads uh, come to your door and be like, right, time to get forced vaccinated. Is that when you say no with your life? You know, that that's what we're all waging up. Death is the final no. Death is the final no. And, and slavery is the is the yes unto death right these people are so afraid of dying that they're willing to spend the rest of their life enslaved i'm not saying it's right i'm not saying it's wrong i'm saying that's that's what happens so yeah chaps that's a good um it's a good thing for us i think just that we don't need to go and make a whip and go and and start whipping people and turning over tables and stuff i think it is good though to make changes and to be unapologetic about saying no, to be unapologetic about cutting things out, to be unapologetic about, you know, Sunday school, they teach you like, you know, be friends with the good boys. Don't be friends with the bad boys. And it's like, they never give you permission uh, to say no to the bad boys, to say no uh, to the things, you know, they're just like, don't do drugs, don't smoke, don't, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, okay, this takes a king, a king who is willing to die for his convictions. You know, what are your convictions unto death? That's when no starts coming out. And that's when heck yes. Like, uh, there we go. That I think that's my encouragement for today. What are we saying no to? To start really saying no to a lot more things. And a lot of that comes to fear of missing out, fear of death, fear of man, fear of approval. But we can say no to a lot more things than we are saying no to. And then heck yes to the things that are in my domain, in my dominion. Heck yes to the things that, that I'm juiced and pumped about. Heck yes to the things that are under my control. Uh, you know, that's a real, it, life gets so pumped, you know, like it's been great for us, you know, switching off news after the election and being like, yeah, okay, we're done caring about things that are not in our dominion and not in our control. Same with church, right? Like I'll go to church and I'll, I'll bless the church and I'll pray for the pastor, but I'm not called to be the pastor. I'm not called to lead the church. So it's like, that's not my dominion. 
So I'm going to focus my heck yes uh, in my dominion. I'm going to focus my heck yes on the things that I believe God has called me to. So be blessed, brothers. Appreciate you guys uh, keeping with my Neo-Amish difficulties. Maybe one day I'll be a pro. Who knows? Have a good uh, afternoon, chaps, and we'll see you tomorrow.